0: On this episode, it's time to lay it all out there. This is one of these episodes that is a little heavy on my soul. I have a lot to get out of my chest. What happened in the last few years? Why speak up now? This is the episode in which no one expects to hear. Plus, what happened over the last few weeks in the world of television? All this and more coming up on Jessica's show. Hello, old friends, new friends, and to all the rest of you out there listening, welcome to the show. I have been radio silent since the Thanksgiving holiday week, and it is time for me to put the hiatus to a close once and for all. But this is not the episode where I address the holiday hiatus. This is the episode where I will explain the many factors of why I did not graduate with an education degree and instead got an English degree. Now, I will try not to go too much into detail, into all the factors, emotional or whatnot, as I have since graduated. I'm going to stick to the facts. In this segment, I will read two open letters that I wrote within a two-year span. In the first open letter I will now read, I was angry, confused, and sad. The open letter on my blog was posted on June 24, 2017. I We'll read that now. Dear Education, I'm writing this to let you know that I have moved on. You were a part of my story for two years. Although we shared so many good memories together, you decided you weren't right for me and left me without any explanation. However, it is not that simple. With you, I lost a part of myself I could never get back. With you, I had a lie in expense of everything else. You were always first and everything else came second. I did everything to please you, but it is clear that I couldn't measure up to your standards. You encouraged me to lie, which led to me losing a scholarship. I couldn't even be my quirky, funny, and creative self around you. You tried to change me into something I was not for the sake of fitting into your definition of professional. I always felt inadequate around you as I had to walk around eggshells. You put me down through action plans, people, and experiences. People kept asking me to quit you, but I was too invested in you to ever see that I could find what I needed outside of you. I could have quit you. I would have felt more confident and happy about it, but instead you quit me. Now I feel depressed and lost. Losing you made me feel more uncertain, so I have questions for you. Why does staying with you feel more secure when I wanted to break up with you? Why do you hurt me so much? Why did you lure me to you only to cause me to feel drained emotionally, physically, and mentally? So I'm letting you go. I'm giving myself the chance to find myself. I'm leading myself into something I truly deserve. Thank you for leaving me as you never deserved me in the first place. I'm no longer giving you the satisfaction to affect every aspect of my academic life. I'm better off without you in my life, and that is why I'm writing this. Sincerely, me. Now, that was hard for me to read. In the second open letter, I was sad, but I accepted that the major and the professors were not the problem. Honestly, my biggest flaw about who I am is that I see good in people to the point where it becomes unhealthy for me. The letter was written on August 4th, 2019. I will now read this. Dear Education, two years later, it is time for me to apologize and own up to everything I've done to you both in what led to the parting of ways in the aftermath. After all that's said and done, I'm the only one responsible for our eventual outcome. I take full responsibility of my actions since the open letter from two years ago. If anything, the experience I had the last two years made me realize a lot of things. I was the one who chose to lie to lose a scholarship. I was the one who tried to change myself instead of being real with you. I was the one who rejected any attempts of constructed criticism through your action plans by living in complete denial of everything. I was the one who was competitive and perfectionistic, and I was the one who decided that being negative towards you or doing things out of jealousy through both my social media use and in real life was healing when in actuality I was continuing to hurt myself and everyone in the process, especially for attention. I know that I cannot undo everything that has happened, but I hope to mend things the best I can as time goes on. I've realized now that you left me not because you wanted to intentionally hurt me, but you wanted to help me. You were concerned for me because you knew if I continued going through life, the way I was living, it would end badly for me. A person who was living a facade as well as a person who held grudges was someone you did not need. A person who was extremely competitive and perfectionistic was someone you did not need. That was a person I fed because I thought it was the thing to do. But in actuality, it wasn't. I pretended to be someone I was not. I lived in reckless disregard of what was expected of me. That is something I fully regret to this day. You needed someone who was real. Someone that can take criticism and turn it into a growth opportunity. Someone who can be creative in a balanced way despite limited resources. Someone who celebrates people's accomplishments both big and small without comparing themselves. And someone who understands that not everything in life involves academics and books, or even sports, or what's the latest fashion, or what's on Netflix, or even majors. After all, The biggest lesson I've learned from you is that I'm not my college major. You are, after all, a college major, but so is English and so are media communication and psychology. I learned to not base my identity on what I major in, but rather in who I am and who I am becoming in the process. I learned that reflection is a way to improve myself on seeing not just what I can see on a surface level, but what is beyond that forest. You wanted the best for me, and I could not give that to you. I let you down in so many ways. I couldn't be the person you needed me to be the most. With that being said, the ripple effect of what I wrote from two years ago has extended further than what it should have been. I cannot say with certainty on what life looks like for me going forward without you. So much has changed and things are different now than what it was two years ago. I'm still learning and growing as a person. I want to make it clear that I'm not the same person I was when I wrote that open letter to you two years ago. You bear no responsibility for the anger I have felt or for the unhealthy mindset that I developed in the process. These actions and thoughts were all my own. I should have processed things a lot differently, and for that, I'm sorry. I don't want this letter to be a part of promoting myself. An open letter to apologize to the college major that left me is simply an apology. Things on social media circulate. People gossip in real life, and that is just what I have learned to accept along the way. Only time will tell if what I do in the future lines up with the remorse I feel and the things I've learned which is something I pray for and will continue to pray for. Not only will I continue to apologize with words and actions, but I will continue to learn and grow as a human being that I needed to be back then. Thank you, Jessica. These letters show a perspective shift. I'm more self-aware than ever before. I'm speaking up more in different ways now more than ever before now at the end of the day I'm still not perfect I'm nowhere close when we come back I'll be revealing why the shift in perspective had to occur you're listening to Jessica show more after the break hello peoples this podcast has been made possible by listeners like you thank you welcome back to the show, folks. Now, I want to talk about my personal blog, Jess's journal, Life Unscripted. This blog evolved into something completely different than what I envisioned. I didn't know I was going to be an English major, let alone think about storytelling and creative nonfiction. The name of the blog came from a brief column in the school newspaper, which was called the pause print for any Corbin High School student, teacher, or alumnus listening to this podcast. The column was an entertainment column and focused in on entertainment happening such as music, film, and television, but I made the choice to leave the journalism program in the middle of the second trimester and started this blog as a way to cope with all the changes That have been happening in my life. Six years later, the blog chronicled the many changes I've went through, more so, over the past couple of years. After looking at the first blog post, in which I will read now, it is plain to see the difference in writing styles as well as maturity level from 18 all the way to 23. And I've written This, on December 7, 2014, and it's titled Illusions. Honestly, I'm not sure how to start this post. When I've last blogged, my life looked totally different. I was on the journalism staff for my senior year of high school. I became the football homecoming queen. I started going to the home games. I got accepted to the college I was looking forward to attending next fall. I was actually happy, or at least I thought it was. Right now, I'm at a crossroads in my life. I'm no longer on the journalism staff for reasons that I can't even mention at this time, and as a result, I'm now a pure tutor. Honestly, this wasn't what I had in mind for the rest of my senior year, but I'm getting used to it. Basically, the sad part of it all, being on journalism staff, was that it was all in an illusion. Like I said, I really don't want to get into it at this time. One thing has remained a part of my life, and that is feeling the full measure of God's grace. Through it all, we'll be strong and courageous through this trying time. And this vlog, will talk about the uncertainties of life and getting stronger after life's obstacles. I really hope that this will be a source of encouragement for anyone going through the difficulties that life brings. Pretty short and sweet, huh? I've actually written more over the past two years than I ever did early on. As I recall, I even took a break from blogging software year to focus on my classes. But what I wrote in 2017 brought a ripple effect for changes to me made in my life. For example, in the blog post I wrote on May 17, 2017, I wrote in the following paragraph, The next couple of days were the roughest as I was performing with Union Harmony in front of so many people including the professor who flat out told me that education is not the right fit for me. I held back my anger and tears, knowing he was a major reason that my aspirations were crushed. I had a dream, and it was put on hold. I wanted nothing more than to just prove to him along with everybody else in the department that I would be successful in the teaching field, despite their thoughts that I wouldn't thrive in it. These words I no longer stand by today. Let me make that clear. 1. The dean of the education department is not responsible for everything that led to my denial from the teacher education program in any way. I am, and it is playing the seat. I've written the post when I was in a terrible place in mindset. Part of the reason for my denial was that I chose to listen to people that have said negative things about not only education as a major, but about the professors. After I dropped education as a major, I felt so sick to my stomach every time I was in an upper level class with NGO and the course code. This lasted until I entered my fourth year of college. It really pains me to say this on a podcast, but someone has to say it. Honestly, I felt inadequate as an English major. I felt like I was not good enough. I felt intimidated. I did not have a work-life balance. And there were many hints of codependency present in my life. When you are in classes with the same people day in and day out, things can be great. But in actuality, it hindered me as a person. I was sensing my life going in a completely different direction than what I was comfortable with at the time. And I still since my life going in a completely different direction. Knowing then what I know now, I would have changed my major in the middle of my sophomore year, but I was so scared to disappoint people. Even my peers that worked so hard to fit in within the English department. Disappointing people has been my biggest fear and I've disappointed people. But I've since learned that the only person I needed to validate was myself. And one of the biggest things I've realized is the power of storytelling. I can write slightly above average works of poetry, to be honest, research, essays, and other genres, if I'm being modest. But I never realized the full power of storytelling until now. What I've learned over the past four years of undergrad was that the stories I write about my experiences are mine and mine alone, not what others tell me to write about. Storytelling has always been what I enjoy and what I love to do, whether it is through music art, or anything else related. But when we come back, surprise, it's a TV update you won't want to miss. What happened during the last few weeks? We got you covered. When we come right back, I hear you, folks. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show and We will now dial in for this episode's TV update. Just to remind you, I'm on the latest episode of PCC Multiverse. And I talk about the December TV update with Gerald, as well as the best shows of the year, as well as the decade. And now, without further ado, as we all do on Jessica's show we're going to start with the broadcast networks. On ABC, the mid-season schedule was the biggest news over the past few weeks. But Thursdays are affected the most with Greys and A Million Little Things moving to later hours. 9 o'clock and the 10 o'clock hour, respectively, to make room for Station 19 at the 8 p.m. hour. Honestly, I don't think this... Is going to work out well for ABC. That's going to expose how lead independent Station 19 is. And as I recall last season, Station 19 was benched in order to make room for a million little saints. Personally, ABC should have moved Stumptown, but Stumptown staying at the 10 p.m. hour on Wednesday may indicate a lack of faith. In the show, if it's live, same-day demo ratings tell you anything, the latest rating for the show this week is a .5. But let's not get into semantics. We know The Rookie is getting the Idol lead-in this season instead of a new show, and the comedy lineups get back orders, which may indicate a lack of confidence in new comedy United We Fall. Moving on to CBS... I'm going to say this very briefly. The merger between Viacom and CBS is now officially complete. But right now, it does not look like any CBS show will be affected as far as ratings goes. It's mostly same old, same old. But we'll have more of a discussion come mid-season when mid-season ratings come in. Evil, already renewed, will be on its way out by the time January comes. Moving on to NBC. Any ratings news about NBC has been overshadowed by the America's Got Talent controversy. So, here's a T. AGT fired Gabrielle Union and Julianne Huff from the judging panel after one season. But the biggest attention came after the firing of Gabrielle Union when reports have surfaced over a toxic in racist behind the scenes culture. Union reported concerns to producers over multiple incidents to which they ignored her concerns. The highest profile of these incidents involve a joke from Jay Leno with a comment about Korean restaurants. After Union was fired, her husband weighs in, then several other stars come to her defense. Howard Stern, on his radio show, condemns Simon Cowell's production company, the company producing AGT, essentially calling it a boys' club by saying this. How is it that Simon Cowell has orchestrated this? Stern said, he says enough that the men stay no matter how old they are, no matter how fat they are, no matter how ugly they are, no matter how talentless they are. But what he manages to do on all his shows is he constantly replaces the hot chicks with hotter chicks and younger chicks, which is so obvious. Now, SAG-AFTRA is investigating the show. Time's Up is involved. NBC is investigating the show as well after a non-apology statement from earlier. And Simon Cowell is hiring a high-powered attorney. That's the gist of the EGT investigation. But as far as ratings go... Making it is not making it in the ratings. It premiered at a .5 and is posting lower numbers in a burn-off fashion. Moving on to Fox. We know that Almost Family is on the outs. Fox benched it with miniseries The Moody's. Well, guess what? The Moody's did much worse than Almost Family did. It's not going to last long for this world, no matter what. Flirty Dancing is coming to replace The Masked Singer in January when Almost Family returns. We'll see how Almost Family fares then, but it's not long for this world, no matter how long you spin it. Moving on to the CW, last but not least. One of the biggest highlights of CW of the past few weeks is the crossover event, Crisis on Infinite Earths, that aired this week. Supergirl and Batwoman got huge boosts in the 8 o'clock hour, while The Flash was at its early season numbers. Supergirl got a .7, Batwoman scored a new series high of a .6, and The Flash was at .6. If only normal episodes were at that level. However, Black Lightning only went up to a .3 in the 9 o'clock hour, which again shows that the crossover boosts, like last year, and the year before that, did not translate well into the 9 o'clock hour. Recently, I ran a poll on Riverdale in the CW Renew Cancel articles. There were about 40 responses so far, and I will read the results now. 57.5% say that Riverdale is going to be renewed, but not for a final season. 25% say that Riverdale will be renewed for a final season. Well, 17.5% say that Riverdale will be canceled after four seasons. Now, I still think Riverdale would be renewed, but with the merger between Viacom and CBS Now Official, things could get interesting, especially on the CW front. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to be talking all the happenings on cable. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Hold up. Don't go anywhere. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. This is part two of this episode's TV update, where we talk about cable. Here are some of the highlights. And let me assure you, this would not be a cable update without first highlighting HBO's Watchmen, first of all. The Variety headline about Watchmen being a word-of-mouth hit really caught my eye. Let me tell you this. The ratings for Watchmen are higher than Secession's entire second season. One-tenth higher to be exact. It currently pulls 737,000 total viewers in linear ratings. But in streaming, it averages around 7.1 million viewers. Not quite the level of Game of Thrones, but it's almost up there with Big Little Lies. I think if Watchmen were renewed for a second season, it will go up in between seasons in the ratings department if it keeps up the word-of-mouth growth. Case in point, the latest episode, the penultimate episode, by the way, got a 028 In the Adults 1849 demo, a new season high, and 822,000 viewers in linear ratings. Top it all off, Watchmen is already on best of list for 2019. It may be worth checking out. In the wrestling wars, WWE's Monday Night Raw took the cable ratings crown once again this week with a 0.74 in the first hour. 0.7 in the second hour, and a 0.62 in the third hour with an average of around 2 million viewers. But what got interesting was the Wednesday shows. All Elite Wrestling from TNT was at a 0.28 this week while WWE's NXT was at a 0.24. But both AEW and NXT tied in total viewers this week. Both averaged 778,000 total viewers. I think it's getting pretty interesting that NXT is beating AEW in the over 50 crowd, especially over the last few weeks. Compared to November, folks. It's interesting to see both shows neck and neck right now. Who will merge Victorious in 2020? The world may never know. Next, let's highlight USA's The Purge. The Purge is down 45% from last season, currently averaging a 0.23 in the key demographic and 568,000 total viewers. What a far cry from 2018. Right now, it's the fourth highest rated show on the chart for USA. Trendstone, on the other hand, averages a 0.13. That's around what the now canceled suit spinoff Pearson did earlier this year, plus the final season of Mr. Robot. Coming up for USA is the reboot of The Biggest Loser, and we'll see how that goes. Also, this wouldn't be a TV update without at least one Viacom network in the picture. On Paramount Network this week, Ink Master Grunge Match scored a 0.09 in the key demo. I don't know how long Paramount Network will tolerate the low ratings of its reality shows since the merger with CBS is now complete. But coming up in January, 68 Whiskey. Another military show, by the way, is joining the scripted lineup. Is it going to hit like Yellowstone, or will it be a miss? The world may never know. On MTV this week, the Challenge scored a 0.48, up from last week's 0.45. Even though it moved Wednesdays, The challenge is still one of the shining examples of ratings challenge MTV. But MTV's nonlinear department is doing okay when you add YouTube, but it's all hit or miss from there. Even though MTV, when Chris McCarthy took over, had ratings that were historically much worse before the takeover that one, you know. And that has been your episode's TV update. When we come back, it is time for my final thoughts. You won't believe what I'm about to say next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. As we are chugging along with Jessica's show, it is my pleasure to inform you that Jessica's show can now be distributed through Podbay and CastBox, in addition to Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Castro, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. This just brings the number of podcast distributors to 11, and we're just getting started. They are all great resources to host and distribute your podcast, and you can listen to other podcasts there on these platforms as well. Break's over! Let's get back to the show. And we're back with the show. It's been a somewhat long episode, but this is the first episode back from hiatus. I'm going to address it all, but on the short end, sometimes we all just need a break. But let me tell you this. 2019 was a memorable year for me personally it also marks the end of a decade at the start of the decade i turned 14 and it was rough i then graduated high school and four years later my college graduation marked the end of the decade i'm about to turn 24 at the start of the upcoming decade I can't wait to see what happens next. Also, let me clarify one of the previous segments in this episode about my time as an English major and why I felt inadequate. The last part of the decade was a learning curve on cultivating healthier friendships. Basically, I learned to stop balancing the give and take and just focus on validating myself. And I'm still not there yet. I still have a long way to go. Network and Writer's Block are resuming episode scripts in January in their normal time slots on the TV Ratings Guide site. And I'm also on the latest episode of the PCC Multiverse, available on all podcasting platforms. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Betagirl96. Like Jessica's show on Facebook and like my public page, Jessica Boggs, on Facebook for more updates. Also, you can follow the TV Ratings Guide on Twitter at the TV Ratings Guide for more TV-related updates. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jessica Boggs, signing off.